Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Sandy Orlando. So Sandy is a Senior Vice President and General Manager for Data and for TELUS at CDK Global, uh, and which means she combines two of my very favorite things here at Pragmatic, both product management and an understanding of data. So welcome, Sandy. Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Rebecca. I'm excited for our conversation. Oh, me too. Sandy, first, just to give our listeners a little bit of idea, uh, can you tell a little bit about your journey and path in product? Absolutely. Well, I'm a 20 plus year veteran of product management, and I've specialized in monetizing technology innovation. I've led product organizations as small as pre-revenue startups, all the way to multi-billion dollar profit and loss centers for a wide range of companies um, in the intersection of cloud and security. And my journey in product management came very early in my career as I transitioned from an outbound role working with clients and OEMs to wanting to truly capture that customer experience and then bring that into the development organizations and has continued through today. So you've done this at a lot of different companies, right? Which I think is always, I think it's one of the the best parts about being in product management, right? Is the ability to kind of, of practice what we do in a lots of different environments. But tell us a little bit about what product management and the kind of the product function that you oversee uh, at, at CDK is like. What, what is, when you say, when you guys say product management there, what does that encompass? So product management at CDK really is formed around the, the tenets of the pragmatic model. And I'll tell you a little bit why. When I joined CDK, um, actually, can I back up for a moment? Because I want to talk about CDK for for just a second. Sorry. So we'll just say edit. Uh, So before I I dive in to talk about product management at CDK, it it might help uh, the listeners to understand a little bit about what CDK is and what we do for the industry. CDK is the leading automotive retailing software company in the United States and in Canada. And we help dealers, OEMs, and consumers get the best out of their car buying experience from the time that they think about purchasing a vehicle all the way through that purchase and servicing, and then through the life cycle and uh, renewed ownership of their next vehicle. And at CDK, we have helped dealers do this for more than two decades, providing the heart and the capabilities in what is called a dealer management system to run the dealer operations and have branched out with new capabilities to support the dealer in marketing and selling vehicles, uh, servicing those vehicles um, after um, a consumer purchases them, and then 
supporting all of the dealership operations. So as you can imagine, um, there's an enormous um, amount of activities around product management and really understanding the, the customer as we develop our products and our market. So that's a, a complex environment in which to do product management. I, ex- I suspect that means that it's, it's an expansive role there. It's a complex environment in a market that's changing. Think about automotive retailing today and just the cars themselves. More and more of them are actually becoming connected. So they're little computers on wheels. And those vehicles will have about one gigabit of data per vehicle per day. So an enormous amount of telemetry that comes in from the vehicle to the the OEM, the dealer, and even to organizations that um, support understanding and supporting that vehicle and consumer. The amount of change in technology that is coming into this industry is enormous. In addition to just the vehicle itself, we're seeing new ways of buying Um, Online retailing is exploding as more and more consumers are not only looking for their cars online, but looking to continue the entire purchase experience. And when they go into the dealerships, they want that purchase experience to be a seamless handoff from their online to in-person and really creating a stronger customer bond between the OEM, the consumer, and the dealer And then even in fixed operations or vehicle service, there's so many changes happening with technology that opens up new opportunities to help deliver faster and safer services for the the consumer. All these changes in technology and different routes to market and business models and the pace of that change really requires us as a product management organization to be on our toes. Well, that sounds like a really fun environment to work in. It is an absolutely enormously fun environment. And it's also a, a challenging one. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the role of product management then at CDK, it's really capturing what those requirements are, not only the ones that exist today, but the ones in in the future. And so when I joined CDK about 18 months ago, I came on board to really help bring in that framework to allow us to operate with speed and agility to understand those customer requirements and then bring them in to our development teams to execute. And because I've had experience in past companies with Pragmatic, I knew it was a really good framework for us to begin that journey. And when you talk about what is product management um, at CDK, very much of it is based on the tenets of um, the Pragmatic methodologies. Well, you know, I love to hear that, Sandy. I have a definite bias in this area, clearly. But but let's talk back a little bit, you know, kind of about Uh, This is not, as you mentioned, the first time that you've used pragmatic or the pragmatic framework. So let's, before we delve in a lot into today, which I think is going to be awesome too, but let's talk a little bit about like the first time, you know, the very first time you uh, implemented pragmatic and, and the environment you were in and the problems you were trying to solve. 
So the very first time was when I was an individual contributor and I was learning the craft of pragmatic. And for me, the problem that I was trying to solve is I was new to the discipline of product management. I was relatively new to the, the industry and I needed a way to gain customer intimacy and understanding faster. And what is so great about the pragmatic model in those early stages for me is what um, you guys term Nahito or nothing important happens in the office. And it's really about going out and visiting and understanding the customer and understanding the specific challenges and pain points um, so that when you come back into the office, you have a better feel of what you actually need to deliver. And so as an individual contributor, I did this for um, a company that was in the networking space. And the challenge that I faced there is the industry was going through a transition. We were developing new capabilities um, and I needed to bring the requirements to market. Once I worked on this Nahito approach and looking at both the buyer and user persona, realized that the direction that we were marching in, well, the right direction wasn't going to move at the speed we needed to. And so what Pragmatic also brought to bear is that it's more than just thinking about what you can do to develop. It's also what you need to do to serve the customer's needs and that there's other options available, including partnerships and M&A. And it opened up a whole new way for us to solve the problems and give our development time to really execute on us building our own solution. Now, of course, you know, like anything, when you go down a path of using a framework, um, it would be wonderful if everything worked perfectly. Um, but there's things that you learn along the way. And I think for me, um, the biggest early learnings with Nahito is that it was more important for me to listen versus talk, to come in with a general hypothesis like a good scientist and test that hypothesis, but not actually try to inform that hypothesis. And so my skills at both understanding the persona as well as the type of questions and the engagement that I had, you know, had to change in order for me to get the true value of that technique. And I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to do that early in my career, because then as you know, I grew and started managing teams, I was able to take some of those learnings and some of those practices moving forward. It's a great point, Sandy. I think the idea of the Nihito uh, and talking to people um, sounds simple, and it, it is simple to some degree. But it is a muscle a lot of us have to learn. All of us type A product people who are so passionate about what we have as a product uh, often try to lay a path out for the, probably unintentionally, it's sort of like bias in data. It can sneak in on you where you, you end up laying out a path to test your hypothesis that brings them to only one conclusion, which is very different than really listening and exploring and being and and focusing on listening versus testing, and I, I think that is a muscle that can be uh, that takes development, uh, but it's powerful when you get there. It's absolutely powerful, and 
And the other thing, and, and I'm flashing forward now to CDK with Nahito, is that now we're coming out of COVID and we're going back to some more in-persons. Um, I've had members of my team and even myself go out and work in the dealerships. Mm. And I've gone in literally with an expectation of what I should see based on even the surveys that we've received. And then actually going in and living a day in the life, uh, coming in and working with a sales manager and selling a car and seeing what that process is like all the way through, you know, desking and getting all the financials and contracts in place to closing that deal. And then hopping over to the other part of the organization in vehicle service and making sure that I can create a uniform experience for that consumer who's bought a car a number of months ago and now wants to have their first service experience. And what really struck me as I started to go out and, and visit these dealerships is how important it is to not only understand what they're doing, but why they're doing it. And living the entire life cycle of shadowing them and doing the work. Uh, and I went away with an enormous respect for um, these dealers, um, enormous respect for how they wanted to create a really strong customer experience and where there was friction in the tooling that, um, that got in the way of some of that customer experience. And so I think back to my very early days of learning Nahito when it was about talking and this was really going in and living a day in the life and seeing what that means to not only the customers, but then how I think about product management. And I've had a number of my team members out doing that as well. And the amount of accelerated learning we have um, is just phenomenal. Oh, I love that. I, I really think no matter how much surveys you do or how much you read about something, it's just different when you get to experience firsthand. And the fact that both you yourself and your leadership role do it, but also that you give your team the space to do it and you recognize that learning is is just powerful. It, it It's absolutely important because, you know, like it says, nothing important ever happens in the office. Well, that's not entirely true. There are a lot of things that important that happen in the office. Understanding how our customers work and what they need, you really need to see it firsthand. And that goes hand in hand with the other things that I've developed and worked on with a pragmatic model with my team. And that really is around personas and not only looking at the user personas and jobs to be done, because those are very important in terms of how a product is developed and the workflows, but also understanding the buyer personas and how those buyer personas engage with not only the purchase of the, the product, but the actual ongoing usage and deployment of, of the product. And I think one of the big achievements for us is that we moved away from functional roadmaps 
and feature roadmaps to now persona-based roadmaps. So in, in automotive, there's broadly categories around variable operations, so that's your sales and marketing, fixed operations, which is around vehicle service, and then accounting and, and back office, which is everything to make sure that you're contractually delivering the service and that you're maintaining the business operations. And we've started really looking at our roadmaps and our strategy around delivering value to those personas and intimately understanding the buyer and the user personas. And what that's allowed us to do is to start bringing together disconnected silos in technology to deliver true end-to-end capabilities um, in areas, for example, such as digital retailing, where we started to piece how does a workflow start when a consumer starts thinking about a product and buying a vehicle all the way through the handoffs and workflows that need to happen at the dealership. And while we would have understood and knitted together those capabilities, we wouldn't have been able to deliver that seamless workflow and handoff between the consumer and the dealer from online to showroom and really create a superior superior buying experience. So that persona-based roadmap has really revolutionized how we think about going to market and delivering product. Love that. Uh, How, with that in mind, how well known are your personas throughout your organization? So you talked about you and your team understanding users and buyers. If we're flipping a lot of the communication and focus on, have you guys shared those widely? How has that gone? So over the last 18 months, we've actually put concerted research effort into better understanding those personas. And so while I run product management um, and the PL, um, we have really strong marketing organization who's bringing together that buyer persona perspective. And in fact, when we did the pragmatic training for um, my product management organization, I actually brought in product marketing to have the foundations training with us so that we can create a common language for working on these personas. So over the last 18 months, we've developed and we are continuing to refine and develop personas because I think you know that there's not a single point in time that is static in developing personas. Things change over time and you want to constantly update and get that view of it. Very true. Uh, One of the things I think uh, I want want to like really highlight so that the listeners heard it is something you talked about earlier where... Uh, you were found what problems to solve and that we're so generally focused then on with that problem, what should we develop? And I think the flip that you talked about of how else can I solve those problems is a, a much more strategic view and a much more global view. Uh, and then you, you also talk about it again when you switch to personas, right? Because it's about that whole journey and that whole piece. And I think, you know, as you talk about going from individual to leadership, I think it's, it's, it's really important that kind of thinking uh, when we can step back and go, okay, I know I need to solve the problem, but I do have more tools in my chest than just great requirements and that I can look at the whole organization 
and see how we can pivot to that. And I think that's a really powerful switch uh, in thinking that you, you, that you really highlighted there. Um, I would absolutely agree with you. In my first product management job, I worked for someone who was enormously talented as a product manager. And one of the things that he shared with me is that just because you can't develop to a customer requirement in the time frame that the customer needs it doesn't mean the requirement goes away. And so your job as a product manager is to understand that requirement, understand the why behind that requirement, and then what other avenues are available to solving it. And it's not always through development. And it's actually not always through partnerships or buying. In some cases, there may be requirements that I'll say in a good murder mystery are red herring that aren't all that important to the execution of the mission of the customer, but because of whatever um, industry or uh, talk track in an organization, it becomes a requirement. And so as a product manager, you know, I believe my job, whether it's an individual contributor or as a leader, is to really find out and help our customers understand, is solving this actually going to lead to your desired outcomes? And some of the best feedback I've ever received from customers is when I've gone in and they've told me, you have not delivered one single thing that I've asked for, but you managed to deliver exactly what I needed to do my job. Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of feedback that lets you know that sometimes it's not just hearing what the customer is saying, but also hearing the context in which the customer um, needs to be successful. And, and because so many of us work in enterprise environments where requirements um, are in some cases a group activity, you know, helping um, your customer parse through each of their requirements and their priorities is a great gift that we could give um, our customers as well as our company. Okay, every product manager listening to this got chills, Sandy, at the idea that one day a customer might say to them, you did not deliver one thing I asked for, but what you did deliver is exactly what I need to do the job. Like that's like that's the dream, right? Like I, I understood the problems and then I used my whole organizations and all the expertise and all the creativity to deliver the right solution that was based on a persona, like a human-centered approach to that. Like that's, that is, hats off, good day, right? Yeah, it is. It is a, it is a great day, but I will tell you as a product manager, it's very scary getting to that point because it's mm. very easy in product management to be an order taker. It's much more um, challenging to really listen, to understand, and to help address some of those latent needs that may be very challenging to express in words. It's very true. There is safety in being in delivering what was asked of it. Um, and it can be very hard when you push that, but uh, that, that's very, very true. Uh, but it's inspiring to hear when it does happen. And I, I think that's important to remember. You've seen the pragmatic framework you use as an individual, you're bringing it into the organization. Um, and, and there's no doubt uh, 
you've learned a lot along the way, right? You've shared some of the pieces you did, but for, for listeners here, what are some um, either best practices you would really, really drive them to as they were, as they were really trying to take a more organized and systematic sort of pragmatic approach to, to product. Um, and then maybe also like, what are some pitfalls that you may have found that you would like to help us all avoid? From a best practice perspective, I think the number one thing for me is understanding um, your customer, um, both as a buyer and as a user, and really digging into the persona, what drives them, what are their key responsibilities, what are the things that keep them up at night, what are the jobs that they need to do to be successful. So the more information that you have about your customer is important. And then mapping that not only to the persona itself, but the segments and the part of the industry that you want to win in. Because in many cases, personas will be the same, but they'll have different needs and they'll have different outcomes that are required depending upon a segment that you compete. So the need, for example, of a small business persona of a chief information officer is very different than if you're running a large public company. And while there's some similarities, there's some key differences in terms of how you think about developing a product, delivering a service. And so mapping those personas with the segmentations that you are participating in, for me, is is a best practice because it combines people and it combines market. The second best practice is really Nahito, um, getting out, understanding the environment. And I think, you know, I've done this as an SVP. I think you have to do it at every stage and every part of your career um, and constantly challenge your assumptions about what is it like to, um, to work and to be in your industry, even if you've been in it for a really long time. And the third approach is mapping all that you learn about the customer with how you operationalize it in your organization. And so one of the things that we've done at CDK is we brought the pragmatic framework together with our implementation of SAFE, the scaled um, agile framework. And the goal there is to kind of bring in those customer requirements and needs and then iterate on them very quickly to deliver value faster to market. And so it's not good enough just to understand what um, your customer market needs, but mapping to an agile process that allows you to get value out more quickly, I think are some of the the best practices that, that I've seen. On the flip side of areas that um, I've learned along the way in in being a product manager and and implementing um, even the pragmatic framework, because like any framework, um, implementation of it is as important as the framework itself. And the first is, for me, is to watch for your unconscious bias. Um, And that is creating a hypothesis and then looking at the data to draw conclusions that you want to support for your roadmap. 
almost every problem that I've had in product deliverables and mismatch is because um, I've gone out at times of the preconceived notion and look for validation of that notion versus trying to understand what is really happening in the market. And, and there's, there's a very unconscious bias that all of us have. And the more experienced you are in an industry, uh, the more it's easy to kind of fill in the blanks. And so stepping back and making sure that um, you're doing the Nahito work, but you're doing it with an, an open mind. And then I think the second biggest challenge that I've seen is really in execution. And I've seen this in trying to roll out pragmatic and multiple organizations. There are great templates. There are great practices. But if you don't hone your craft and use them and really make it part of your day-to-day then it's very easy to have a great template, but not a great implementation of it. So as a leader, it's really all about making sure that those templates can be worked, that um, you do that in practice, and that you allow a degree of freedom to kind of learn and where there is a mistake to share it with one another so that the entire organization benefits from in many cases, an error, let's say I make, um, it's great that everybody else learns from my mistakes. Couldn't have said it better myself, Sandy. Uh, I, I think the discipline of it and the sharing of it and the um, making sure we carry it all the way down and through the, from concept to execution and circling back is, is powerful. And it's, it is work, right? It's not, it's not, um, wouldn't necessarily say it's hard work and I wouldn't say it was easy work. It's work. It, it takes discipline It's um, and it takes an ongoing uh, attention uh, to do it with intention. It, it does. And I look at product management um, and I've done myriad roles in my career um, from you know product management, product marketing, running a PL, running overall marketing. But I always come back to the core for me around product management, because I love delivering um, innovations to market that delight customers, that can actually change the pace of an industry or the face of an industry. Um, And as a business person, I want to see that technology monetized. And so when I say practicing my craft, it truly is practicing my craft. I feel in many cases um, as a product manager that I'm like the old school um, artisan. And there is art and science in what we do in product management. And you only get better with practice. And I love that it's a lifelong practice, right? Like any good artist too, right? It, It is. And, you know, it's funny because I've in the last couple of companies I've been in, I've put my teams through pragmatic training and I've taken the training again. And, you know, people say, well, why are you taking it again? You're already pragmatic certified. And I said, I learned something every single time I take this training. I learned something from the training. I learned something from my team when they ask questions. And I feel I'm a better um, professional um, because I take the training um, over and over again. 
Awesome. All right. One more question for you, although I, I, I could certainly end there, but uh, I know you've been, been there CDK for not, uh, you know, you've been there what, about 18 months. Yes, that's correct. So you've, you've done a lot. You've talked about a lot of the changes. I'm just wondering what's, what's next, what's on the horizon. What are your dreams for the next 18 months for your team? The thing for me that's on the horizon and what drives me every single day is that CDK is on a mission um, to make automotive retailing better, to improve the consumer experience, uh, to create um, connections between the consumer, the dealer, and the OEM. And to do that, we have to be customer focused. We have to have strong execution. So bridging that knowledge about the customer with the R&D teams. And it really is a mission and, and a passion for me to create those bridges. So when I look forward to the next 18 or 24 months, it's about taking all the great work that I've done in bringing that pragmatic discipline to product management, and then driving that through the execution of my data and for TELUS business, and really creating that next generation of technology for consumers, dealers, and OEMs. And that mission is absolutely critical, not only for you know, my team and for the company, but the industry. And that's really what keeps us all, you know, driving and working so hard at bringing in new skills and, and disciplines to improve that customer understanding. Well, Sandy, I hope that you'll come back uh, and share your progress on the journey, because I think this has been a absolutely fascinating conversation. And I love seeing your approach to pragmatic. I love seeing your approach to product and uh, your discipline to, as you put it, your craft. Well, thank you. And I've enjoyed our conversation. Um, I've enjoyed um, implementing pragmatic with my teams. I've seen the value of it. And uh, I look forward to continued dialogue. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Sandy. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 